The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Hey guys, I hope you tuned in last week for part one of my awesome interview with Tom Deere. The H is silent, but he's not. Now here's part two. If you could switch lives with one person for a day, who would it be? My cat. (laughs) Just be fascinated to not give a darn about, you know, anything except eating, drinking, and getting snugs. That would be just so refreshing. Hi, could you pet me? Oh, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm hungry. Here is this food that you like. Oh, thanks. I'm tired. I'm mostly kidding. But honestly, I don't want to be anybody with but me. I just want to be me, but wiser and with maybe a little more money. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yes, it's a fun exercise. But no, I like mostly who I am and I love mostly what I'm doing and I love who I'm with, family and friends. Yeah, you have to be happy with your own life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Am I happy? Yes. Am I content? No, I will never be content because I always want to be better. I want to be a better voice talent. I want to be a better coach. I want to be a better demo producer. I want to be a good, better comic book producer. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better cat owner, you know, (laughs) all of those things. So I want to be all those things, but for all my flaws, these are the ABCs of me and this is who I am. Happy? Yes. Content? Never. What advice would you give to voice actors trying to break into the business? Don't. We are a bunch of narcissistic masochists. Hi, could you give me money so I can say things out loud because I love the sound of my own voice? I mean, what is wrong with us? (laughs) No, all are welcome. So if you're new and you're trying to do this, the first thing is... Determine that you have the actual talent to do it. Some people just don't have the chops. They just don't have the talent. And if you do have the talent, do you have the skill sets? Do you have the technique? Having a nice voice is great, but just because you own a wrench doesn't make you a plumber. Just because you own a pen, it doesn't make you an author. So just because you can imitate Peter Griffin in Family Guy doesn't mean you're an effective voice actor. You know what I mean? So you need technique. And then you need skill sets about how to use your recording software, how to construct a marketing campaign, and you need to have resources. You need money to be a voice talent. You need to invest in training. You need to invest in equipment. You need to invest in marketing and build a website and all of these things. You need resources, both financial and logistical, to have a chance, to even have a remote chance. The thing that really concerns me is so many voice actors try to do this for free with no training. How many people are trying to do that as a doctor? The other thing is that, I mean, in all fairness, if you want to be a doctor, there's a path. You go to high school, you get good grades. You go to college, you get good grades. You go to graduate school, you get good grades. You get into medical school, you get good grades. You get internship, residency, specializing, and then you try to get a job at a clinic or a hospital or whatever. There's a very clearly laid out path. Voiceovers, not so much. But that doesn't mean you don't need training and you don't need resources. I mean, no, I didn't have money for a long time and I stumbled through it and figured stuff out and I eventually scrimped and saved to get the right equipment and the right training and the right skill sets. And also don't think about brunch and also this the the concept of trying to break into the business. That's that kind of Hollywood chorus line, American Idol, God, I hope I get it mentality, starving artist mentality. And that doesn't serve them either. It's how am I going to open this business? What resources do I need? What overhead do I need to account for? What skill sets do I need to develop? How much money do I need to do all this stuff? Can I afford it? Do I have the time? Do I have the ability to embrace failure over a very long period of time for the (laughs) entire length and breadth of my career? I fail every day. You fail every day. Do you book every single audition you go on, Val? No. (laughs) Of course not. Nobody does. Nobody does. Fail, 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 fail. It's what do you learn from the failure? Why did you fail? How did you fail? Did you fail for the right reasons? 
end of soapbox ranty thing. No, that's all really great advice. People on the outside need to understand that this isn't some kind of glitzy, glamorous. It's this stereotype of what the voiceover industry is, which attracts so many people. That just drives me absolutely nuts. No. But that's not the reason I got into this industry. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have to. If you say, I want to be a celebrity. I want to be a voiceover celebrity. I want to go to LA. I want to be in the next Halo thing. I want to be in a Pixar. Great. I fully support that and I will do everything I can to help you. But don't think you're just going to go that you're going to get a little bit of training in a demo and all of a sudden someone's going to call you and says, well, we have all this money sitting around and we hear you love to talk out loud. Can you be here at 10? Like (laughs) it doesn't happen that way. So be realistic. Examine your assumptions. Manage your expectations. I tell that to all of my students. What are your assumptions about yourself, the voiceover industry and your relationship to it? Because people manage their expectations based on their assumptions. And that's why there's so much weirdness in the world all the time. Right. I do think people also have to take into account that there's so many people out there that will give you advice and some of it is good and some of it is not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think you have to be a strong enough person to not let someone's possibly bad advice break your spirit. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. That's really tough because I've mm -hmm. had times when people have been like, blah, blah, blah. Here's some advice for you. And then you get done talking to them and you're like, wait, what? You know, and then (laughs) I just I'll have these moments where for like almost a full day, I'll be like, well, maybe I should just not be a voice actor. And then I'm like, what are you doing? This is crazy. You can't just go by what one person says. And it's not even that someone has said you shouldn't be a voice actor, but it's whatever the advice is, you know, that kind of breaks my spirit. Even after all this time, I still sometimes have a weak point where I'll let it break me down. Mm -hmm. I think people just really have to like... uh, Try not to let that happen. You know, find a way that you can cope with it because there is a lot of rejection and you have to be strong enough to say, I'm talented and I know that I'm talented because I've proved it over and over again and I'm doing this because I love it. I'm not doing it for the money. If the money comes, that's great. But all of the stuff that you said too. What I tell everybody, voiceover or non-voiceover, is that one thing you really need to do is surround yourself with people that help you be the best version of yourself. Be a good human and collect good humans. This is a problem I had for a very long time is that I was surrounded by people at friends and work people who didn't understand what I was trying to do, who didn't respect what I was trying to do and actively mocked what I was trying to do to my face and behind my back. And it's exhausting and it's debilitating. The more that you can find people who are like-minded, as in we respect and support what you're doing. I mean, now my friends and family, they still don't really understand what I'm doing, but they respect what I'm doing and they support me. Hey, whatever you need to do, do it. I'm here in whatever way you need me, even though I don't understand exactly how your particular industry works. People that are not in it, that are not actors, voice actors or on screen or whatever, I don't know that they'll ever fully understand what we do because even my family to this day. I mean, I'll be like, okay, I'm going in to record a session. I need you guys to be quiet, even though I have a better recording space now and it's more soundproof. But still, there's certain things that are still going to reflect into my booth. And sometimes they're still like, oh, hey, what are you doing? And they'll walk in and I'm like, no, I'm like recording right now. You can't just. (laughs) Yeah, I'm working. I'm on the clock. Even though I'm not wearing a suit and tie and sitting at a cubicle, I'm working. So that's always challenging. It is. If you could host a dinner party with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you serve at it? If I could host a dinner party, who would be at it would be Jerry Seinfeld and any of the guests he's had on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, I love that show. show. Love it. (laughs) 
I would just have the table be filled with comedians. Why? They're the smartest people out there. They're just so smart and they are gifted observers of humanity. And they're so thoughtful and so introspective and so articulate. And they're just, and they're funny. They're just fun humans to be around. And the conversations would just be, I love comedians in cars getting coffee. I've watched every single episode and I just adore that show. Him and a comedian getting in a car, going to get coffee, having coffee, and then going home. And that's it. And it's genius. And the conversations are just so wonderful. I would serve the messiest food possible, like <laughs> lobster or like a pasta with a red sauce and no knives. So they can't nice. cut the pasta because it's the grand equalizer. It's just fun watching people struggle with food. It's just fun. And there's different ways that you react to it. You can either get like really bent out of shape and, you know, or you can be like, meh, you're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. Pass the wine. Yeah. It'd be fun to serve like giant turkey legs or something if they weren't, yes. you know, yes. like just something like that where it'd be like, okay, let's just get into this, you know, yes. and like. <laughs> and I love food projects. I love lobster. I love crab. I'm just like, all right, I am literally putting on a work bib apron thing and I am hunkering down. I've got tools. I've got knives <laughs> and I've got things that crush. And then the satisfaction of dipping it in the butter. Oh, it's just bliss. You'd it think is. I'd be a lot fatter listening to this interview because <laughs> everything's very food uh, oriented for me. It's weird. What keeps you motivated to keep going and improve your skills in what you do? Uh, eating. <laughs> I already used that before, the stupid eating three times a day joke. I believe in the Constitution's preamble, forming a more perfect union. It says in the Constitution, they don't even try to be like, yes, our goal is to make America perfect. It's imperfect. It's never going to be perfect. But we want to strive to be more perfect. We're constantly striving for improvement. Some years and events are more successful than others. I just want to do better. I'm also a bit of a pleaser. You kind of have to be a little bit as a voice actor because you're like, well, that read was perfect and no direction or corrections are required. Well, then you're not going to last long in this industry. I want to be a better storyteller. There's more than one way to do something right, especially in voiceovers. Hey, Val, can you ABC that line for me? And you give three takes and they're all good. It's just which one do they like better in this context? Or do they have an unconscious motivation that they like the second one? And, you know, they always like the second one best. <laughs> I'm very self-motivated. You kind of really have to be self-motivated. But you know what? A lot of people will have a picture of their kids at their desk or their dog, or their mentor. But for me, I like to get better just for the sake of getting better and eating. <laughs> That's great. What's the hardest emotion to project onto the listener with only your voice? Oh, boy. Here's the thing about that. This isn't an emotion, but the hardest thing to project is sincerity when emoting, regardless of it. Happy, sad, scared, tired. So that they, when the listener listens to you, they're like, oh, of course he's angry. Of course he's tired. Of course he was ironic or sarcastic. You can hear the intent if your acting is sincere. You know, I do audiobooks. You know, do you actually have to physically cry when you're narrating an audiobook? Not necessarily, no, but you have to act like you're crying. How does sincerity come through when projecting any emotion? It's a combination of technique and connection. Seeking the author's truth, Johnny Heller says all the time, our good friend. Your job is to seek the author's truth. Now, when he says that, it's most of the time it's in an audiobook context, but it applies to any genre of voiceover. And I say this all the time. It doesn't matter if you're narrating Big Bob's used car commercial for 15 seconds or you're narrating War and Peace. There's still a story. There's still a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's an arc. There's a message or multiple messages. And you need to be connected. You need to be engaged. It's a combination of technique. And do you have to be 100% connected and in touch with your emotions every single moment of every single word that you utter? I think if you did, you'd probably have to be institutionalized. <laughs> 
because you'd be diagnosed as schizophrenic. There's a balancing act of doing that. Some people are not connected at all, but their technique is so strong that they sound sincere regardless of the emotion that they're emoting. Some people lack technique, but they're just such an emotional creature that they're able to intuitively connect to the copy and they're able to convey it that way. So find what works for you to be able to achieve sincerity or at least feign sincerity when emoting regardless of what you're narrating. That's a great one, actually. I hadn't thought about that, so that's And many would argue with me. Many would say, no, 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 it's all technique. And many would say, no, 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 it's all emotion. And that can be true for you, but not for the person next to you, necessarily. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite social media platform and why? I'm so ambivalent about social media. I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. There's so much negativity and there's so much weirdness and so many real ads which are annoying and fake ads which are annoying and all of us voice talent we don't know how to use social media to effectively ply our trade i like popcorn here's a picture of the popcorn that i ate do you like popcorn okay good you're gonna give me money to talk out loud no okay i have been enjoying instagram i've been on i don't know four years or something like that and i took a what was it last year i took a stack skills series of classes which just kind of teaches you you know all the things you need to know about how to affect create content and put it up and advertise and all these different techniques and stuff. And so I learned a lot. It's fun. It's short. It's sweet. It's visual. You know, it's fun. I mean, every all the social media platforms have been politicized. There's just so much awful stuff on all of them. I mean, I'm on Facebook all the time and a part of me really wishes I didn't need to be. Yeah. And of course, like all of us, we should be on LinkedIn more and we're not. <laughs> there was a period of time where I was spending a lot more time on LinkedIn and a lot less time on Facebook. But then I realized that as many times as I've wanted to just get rid of Facebook, then I'm like, wait, you can't really because you have a lot of connections on there. And then for the business, it's like, you know, there's always it's a reason of... why you can't delete it. And it drives me nuts. Like, I know it's infuriating, right? It's like today I'm going to delete Facebook. No. Actually, no, you're not. No. Okay, fine. Right. When it comes to LinkedIn, there's a ton of voice seekers on LinkedIn. It's just how many of them have profiles that they're actually paying attention to. Because most people are on LinkedIn to find a job. So once you get the job, you often are not on LinkedIn until you lose the job for or leave the job for whatever reason. And then you go back on, update your resume, and then try looking for people. Yeah. In our industry, it's a lot different because we're constantly looking for new clients. And our clients are often, if not constant, on LinkedIn. But LinkedIn just isn't as interesting as Facebook, frankly, for a lot of good reasons and a lot of bad reasons. Finding the right balance. And if you don't like Facebook, don't use it. And if you don't like Twitter, don't use it. If you don't like Instagram, don't use it. But yeah. what are you going to use? Because social media is part of the sales funnel now. It drives traffic. It's important. And if you use it properly, it can be very, very effective. How to use it effectively? I'm still trying to figure that out. I have successes and failures. But again, it's the more perfect union thing. Strive to learn and grow more and don't let it drive you crazy. Yeah, I'm always surprised with social media, how many people there are that, like you said, don't use it properly. And so it's... It's just a completely hot mess. Mm -hmm. They don't have a cover photo. They don't have a picture. It's just an outline of a shadow of a whatever face. <laughs> or you know how if they don't put a profile picture, it's just like that whatever. Well, that, I don't connect with people that don't have a profile picture. I don't either. No. But I'm saying it's amazing to me how many people, even after all the information that's out there, still don't have that. And they're yeah. trying to make it in whatever entertainment side of the business, whether it be music or voiceover or acting on screen or 
or whatever. And I've had friends that I've been like, you know, here's a couple of tips. You need to have a profile picture. You should probably have a cover photo. And here's how you use this. And they just choose not to listen. So at a certain Man. point, you just have to go like, okay, I'm going to stop giving you advice because you're not going right. to listen to they're it not anyway. interested in listening, then that's fine. Yeah. And what's even more frustrating is when you are trying to use Facebook or whatever properly, whatever that means, and you still get a hard time. I'm going to give you an example. This happened literally yesterday. Someone posted a picture of Chuck Norris and it's like Chuck Norris dies at 80. He was a great martial artist and actor and all that stuff. After being minorly inconvenienced by his death, he got better. And now coronavirus is in isolation, self-quarantine for 14 days because it was exposed to Chuck Norris. What? With, now, because <laughs> Chuck Norris has, there's this mystique and this joke about Chuck Norris about what a badass he is. Johnny Heller actually narrated a book about all these things about Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris visited the Virgin Islands, and when he left, it was just called the Islands. Like all these just ridiculous things behind Chuck Norris's beard is another fist. You know, just all these just ridiculous things that some group of guys was just making all these fun things about, about how crazy awesome Chuck Norris is that it turned into a book that Johnny actually narrated. So this was in the spirit of it. Like Chuck Norris, you know, the coronavirus is in quarantine because it was exposed to Chuck Norris. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. A friend of mine posted that. So I shared it and then I immediately got people were like, oh, that's fake. You shouldn't post fake news. That's fake. What are you doing, Tom? This isn't how to use the Internet. It's oh like, are gosh. you did you read the post? You know what drove me nuts about it? Some of the people that were saying that were voice actors. Oh, man. Now, is it your job to completely read a Facebook post to understand what's going on? Eh, you know, I'll let you guys decide that. But it just really rubbed me the wrong way that I was being chastised for sharing a joke. And they didn't get the joke because they didn't read the post. Yeah. Now, in all fairness to everybody, everybody's social media feed is a torrent. It's a river, a very rapidly moving whitewater river of stuff. And there's just so much stuff and a lot of garbage out there that it's hard to pay attention or give anything more than a cursory glance. Maybe I'm being a little too judgmental. I deleted the post because I was just getting criticized and someone was like, well, you know, you should know better than that because people don't read everything. So why are you posting something? It's like, OK, gone. Bye. It really ticked me off yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a funny Chuck Norris thing. It was totally innocent. I just wanted to share something that made me laugh. And then I got like pounced on by friends, voiceover friends. So does that mean I, Tom Deere, used the internet wrong because <laughs> I shared this joke? I guess I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stupid, stupid, stupid man. How dare I assume that people will actually read the posts that I put up and not judge based on the first word? I'm the ass. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> wow, I'm really angry about this. I didn't realize how angry I was about it. <laughs> anyway. It's okay. I can edit out some of the anger. It's no big deal. <laughs> no, keep the angst. It's good. It's good okay, television. Okay. <laughs> what are three things you can't live without? Well, I mean, you could give the, well, I can't live without air or water, which is really obnoxious. Or I could give the contrite, well, I can't live without my cat and my wife, and which is all true. I can't live metaphorically. But to really come down to it, what can't I live without? Reese's peanut butter cups, superheroes, and storytelling. Those are all uh, good answers. Yeah. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. They're just so tasty. They're so um, good. They're so good. And all of its permutations. Superheroes. I've loved superheroes since I was a kid, especially team superheroes. Like I'm a huge Justice League fan. I've been collecting Justice League, like regularly subscribed to collecting Justice League since I was in middle school and I have every issue. I just love it how there's a problem that individuals can't solve, but when they come together, they can get it done, which is why you need a team of them with different experiences and abilities to just solve this thing, which is usually beat up the bad guy. But I just, something really just resonates with me about that. And storytelling. I am a storyteller because I started out, I wanted to be an actor and then it morphed into, I want to be a voice actor. And I'm also a writer 
which is obviously a form of storytelling because I write a blog every week and I have written this whole world of this comic book world that I have an actual comic book writer and a co-producers and creators and stuff and they're all amazing. I just love telling stories. It's just, it's fun. My friends are like, Tom, can you just cut to the chase? And I'm like, no, no, I can't. And then wearing his plaid shirt with two buttons of the cuff off, he then did this. And they're like, oh my God, you're (laughs) killing me, Tom. What is wrong with you? I just love storytelling. I love conjuring images and painting pictures verbally or with the written word. It's my oxygen. If I can't do that, I can't breathe. Yeah, well, you're really good at it. So that makes sense that you would not be able to live without it. Well, you can still be lousy at something and love it. Like who is really good at like darts or or, uh, pool or bowling? Like that isn't professional. Everybody sucks at it, but it's still fun to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Who's the most impressive person you know? Besides you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was a little. little, (laughs) Thanks. Off the top of my head, I can think of two people, uh, voiceover and non-voiceover. Voiceover, Bob Sauer. He's just an incredible human being. Not only does he have just oozing with talent and technique and skill set, he's genuinely one of the just most good humans that I know. Yeah, he's just such a nice guy. Yeah. His secondary branding platform is second nicest guy in voiceover, which is just so cute. Here's the other thing about him without getting too weird, is he's a deeply religious man, but I've never heard a proselytizing or judgmental word come out of his mouth ever in all the years that I've known him. He has his values. This is what's important to him. And he doesn't try to push it on anybody. That goes for people politically or religiously. He's just like, yep, this is me. Have a seat. If not, that's okay too. And I just respect that so much about him. He's just a really good human. Another person that just really impresses me, it's actually my brother-in-law. His name is Doug Jenkins, and he is the co-founder of the Portland Cello Project. They're, quote-unquote, a band. And basically what he does is he rearranges music with cellos. And often there's a trumpet and a bass player and a drummer and, and a singer. But he has rearranged music, everything from Kanye West. Actually, one of their last tour is that he took the entire Radiohead album, OK Computer, and he... And he arranged it to work with cellos. And it's just one of the most unbelievable things I've ever heard in my life. The one that they were working on before everything got weird with the pandemic was all Prince music with cellos. If you guys get a chance, jump on YouTube, type in Portland Cello Project, listen to this music. It will blow your doors off. The fact that he can take this amazing music and he can deconstruct it and then turn it into six cellos playing six different things and a bass, and drums, and vocals, and I think French horn, and he occasionally gets other instruments in there. The level of raw talent and the fact that his mind works in that way to create these beautiful, to take something beautiful and make it a different kind of beautiful. It's just so impressive. just blows my mind. I'll definitely have to check it out. I'll maybe even put the link in the show notes so people can check into that. Yeah. Yes. Portland Cello Project. Okay. I'll put that in. So how can people get in touch with you, Tom? Well, as a voice talent, you can go to tomdeer.com. I'm also known as the VO Strategist, which you can check out at vostrategist.com. I am a voiceover business and marketing consultant. I can help you with all of your business and marketing needs. How do I start my voiceover business? How do I maintain my voiceover business? How do I pay taxes as a voice talent? How do I build my knowledge in marketing or time management or workflow or managing your finances. I also do genre coaching, but very specific genre coaching, e-learning narration and explainer video narration. And I also uh, produce demos for e-learning or explainers. So you can learn more at theostrategist.com. 
That's great. And I'll put all of that in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Do you want to mention your social media platform handles too? Oh, sure. Uh, it's uh, Facebook. It's VO Strategist. Instagram, it's Dear Tom. It's my name backwards. D-H-E-E-R-E-T-O-M. And I believe Twitter is Tom Deer and LinkedIn is Tom Deer as well. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Tom. It's always great to chat with you. And I look forward to enjoying the sessions you offer at Mini Navo 2020 online in November. In the meantime, I wish you tons of continued success in your voiceover career and in everything you do. Same to you. This has been a genuine pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you. Hey there, it's Brad Hyland. You know, Santa for Elf on the Shelf. Cool live interview with Tom Deere. The H may be silent, but I'm glad he's not. Nice work, Val. Ho, 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 ho! Merry... Wait a minute. It's not Christmas time yet. Live with Squacky is mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Yokelson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky was recorded from inside a padded cell. Wait, what? 